Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a brief but annoying message to let you know that you could have first heard this episode nine months ago if you were a subscriber to our Iron Filing Society Patreon offering. For the price of a pint and a St. Clements each month, you can get up to four episodes a week, nine months before the rest of the world gets them. Early access to regular episodes, lots of other marvellous benefits, and there's absolutely no adverts or brief but annoying messages like this that will get right on your ticks. Find out more and subscribe now at tftimemachine.com slash ironfilings. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Tune Machine. I am Andy Hotbody Dawson. Pow, pow, pow. I'm Sam Nifty Delaney. So what? As uh, the second part of our look at the chart from the 3rd of December 1984. Exciting stuff. Christmas is coming. So you would have thought the contenders for the Christmas number one would be in there. But of course, as we know, subsequently, um, Band-Aid did it with... Um, do they know it's Christmas? Actually, last Christmas was number two, wasn't it? Wham! That's not in there yet either. So yeah. They, they must have put Late that out. Late charges. I think they must have put that out a pretty a week or two just before Christmas, so it's not um, peaking too soon, as they say. I mean, the thing is, when you look at any best of Christmas, now that's what I call Christmas, work, walk into any department store uh, around Christmas time, three standards that will be on every playlist are mm-hmm. Last Christmas, mm-hmm. Do They Know It's Christmas, mm-hmm. and Frankie Goes to Hollywood's Power of Love. And they're right? in there, yeah. And all three of them were in that Christmas 1984 chart, although only one of them is in this particular chart. And um, also, Power of Love. Interestingly, what was the Christmas number one, 1985? It was Shaking Stevens. Merry Christmas, everyone. Now, Neil may not know this. This was originally meant to come out in 84, but then they shelved it because they knew that Band Aid was coming. The competition was too high. And they put it out a year later. So that you can call that a 1984 one as well if you want. Shaky was a real outsider. Would you say it's fair to say that Shaky was the UK's version answer to Prince? <laughs> um, <laughs> was a, because all I'm of... saying is right. Prince, let's look at the parallels. Both staunchly solo artists. I mean, I know Prince had the revolution and stuff, but he was very yeah. much his own man. Yeah. Right. Shaky operated in the same way. We know he had those four cunts who were in near this old house video. Yeah. Right, who were sort of his associates. But really, he called the shots himself creatively. He was one of those people like Prince that every single element mm. had to be controlled by him. Yeah. Um, a multi-instrumentalist. Agreed. If he was a, a filmmaker, they would describe him as an auteur, wouldn't they? It's an auteur. Because exactly. it's all... Well, he had done. this idea, Shaking, Steve, he had, he, Shaking Stevens was like a whole vision. It was mm. more than just a pop star. It was a total package, was, wasn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah it was a total package. And every element of the, the shaky brand was controlled by Shaky himself. Yeah. And the reason he springs to mind the parallels with Prince really is that just as Prince didn't refuse to involve himself in We Are The World, mm-hmm. USA for Africa, um, similarly, Shaky was not involved with Band-Aid. We don't know why. He wasn't at Live Aid and he wasn't involved in Band-Aid. Mysterious, wouldn't you say? This is, yeah, I'd never. this had never occurred to me before because you would have thought he'd be there, wouldn't you? Well, he was because massive, massive. I mean, every time we do a chart in the 80s, Shaky is in there. He's in there, but I think by 84 and then 85, uh, when Merry Christmas came out, it was kind of like a bit of a revival. He'd kind of gone off a little steam. bit in the way that Prince did in the mid-90s where he yeah. made records for himself as opposed yeah. to for the audience. And he got a little bit self-indulgent. Mm. I mean, there was one mm. There was one single I remember in about... God, it might have actually been 89, where he got the people from Viz to draw the sleeve because he was playing for Fulchester Rovers in Billy the Fish, oh, he was, remember? Wasn't he? Yeah, and he then was. th- they drew the, the Fulchester version of Shaky for his record cover for one of his singles. Mm. But I think that was even further down the line, by which time no fucks were given at all by Shaky. He was think, yeah. existing surely to, solely to please himself. And why not? And it, yeah. Yeah. He didn't have a sense of human. I interviewed him at Glastonbury. Did he not? He was. No, I told you about that. As he left, he went, all that was missing was the red noses, in indicating that I, Sam Delaney, mm. who had just interviewed him live on air for Five Lives coverage of mm. Glastonbury, was some sort of fucking clown. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Me. This is Sam Delaney we're talking about. Were you... Yeah? You weren't on drugs at the time, were you? When you interviewed him? <sighs> I don't think so, no, because it was sort of mid-morning. I think I would have Were you experiencing the after-effects of the previous after, night's mate, Yeah, drugs? I mean, I would have been off my tits the night before, for, yeah. for definite. I yeah. got in the VIP area, mate. I was there with fucking Alexa Chung and Alex, what's his name, from the fucking, what do you call it? From the thing, yeah. From the monkey, um, from the monkey arctics. We were fucking having it massive style, so by the yeah. time I got to Shaky, yeah, I would have been in a bad way. And I was having a bit of a laugh with him because at the end of the day, we're all there for... It's all a bit of fun, in it, Shaky? Come on, don't be a cat about it. You thought you were having a bit of a laugh with him, but I think it sounds like he was tolerating you. He thought you. I was a, I think it sounds like I was was, a fucking clown, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. I think it sounds like he was a lot more professional than you were, even though I'm it was a live listen, radio interview. Shaky, Shaky, I know you've sold a lot of records, and I don't know how much you keep up with the topsy-turvy world of the British media... But trust me, what you are experiencing now is a privilege. You are being interviewed by the top... Well, certainly I was the rising star of British journalism. It's like, imagine a young John Pienaar, right? Mm. That's what you're speaking to now. And you've got the temerity to say that I should be wearing a red nose. Psh, joke, as Gary Neville would say. Yeah, well... I'm coming down on the side of Shaky a little bit with that. No offence to you mm. personally, but I think you'd maybe blurred the lines between being at Glastonbury as a professional and being there as, uh, <laughs> as Shaky described, a clown. <laughs> and I, I was think, that year's Glastonbury clown. Yeah. I think if I'd been Shaky's manager, I'd have put in an official complaint about you, probably. Because what you that did... That you had on five live. Yeah. I don't know who he is. 
but he was a fucking clown. He stunk of booze. He Eyes had like ecstasy saucers. tablets all over his face. <laughs> Crushed he kept bragging that he, that he, he, he kept bragging that he was mates with the bloke from a band called the Arctic Monkeys. No one cared. <laughs> or believed him. <laughs> well, you know. One point, he asked, he asked Shaking Stevens for what he referred to as a horsey ride. No one knew what he meant, but he was insistent. And this was all on air. Is this what our licence fee pays for? We assumed that he was referring to some kind of drug trip that he was trying to instigate. Well, all I could do was just shepherd Shaky out of there as quickly as possible. I gave Lily Allen a horsey ride last night in the VIP area. Um, Shaky, as yet, it seems, has not written his autobiography. That's quite interesting. That would be a tale to tell, I reckon. That could fucking blow things wide open. There was a one in 2005. He's probably being suppressed. There was by one British in 2005 called Shaky, the biography of Shaky Stevens by someone called uh, Michael Heatley. But that is not an official, official. I'm not product. really interested in biographies usually. Um, no? I I got given. Um, Paul Mc- I asked for Paul McCartney's biography, yeah? Uh, I think McCartney's now announced that he might be actually doing an autobiography at last. Yeah. I think that got announced recently. but uh, So that I definitely will read. But there was quite a, a well-regarded biography by someone called Philip Norman. Yes. And I, I got bought it, and I just started reading it. And the author, maybe it was just the bits that I read, seemed obsessed with homosexuals. He kept making reference to, like, the amount of homosexuals who were predatory on young male pop stars in the 60s in the music right. industry. And how Paul was very, const- was you know, constantly um, being propositioned by homosexuals yeah. in the music industry. And it just seemed that he mentioned it so many times. I'm like, what the right. fuck? What are you on about? Why are you obsessed with this? Well, I think there's something in that. It's not uh, perhaps as prevalent as is suggested in that book, but there's another book that's just come out. I'm trying to find the title of it, which is meant to be really good. Yeah, it's called The Velvet Mafia, and it's all about yeah. the gay men who shaped pop music in the 1960s. Um, mm. And it's been well-reviewed. Let's have a look who's involved. Brian Epstein, Kit Lambert, who co-managed The Who, Simon Napier-Bell, who we've spoken about before, Robert yeah. Stigwood, who, who managed the Bee Gees, Billy Gaff managed Rod Stewart, Ken Pitt managed Boy, um, Tony Stratton-Smith, who introduced Genesis, and then oh, Larry, yeah. Larry Palms. And a lot of these people feature in The Greatest Book of All Time, Elton John's autobiography. Yeah. yeah. So you there's know. something in it, something in it, but... Um, there was only three heterosexual well, men in nineteen sixties pop. It says here, three of them. Only three. Just three. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't name them, but yeah. Well, they may have all been gay, but they weren't necessarily predat- predators. I think the book suggests that they kind of were. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then well, you've got well, Joe, Joe Meek as well, of course. Yeah. Who was uh, a producer, but uh, I don't know. Well, I tell you, the other one, probably one of the heterosexual ones. One of the three would have been what's her name? Um, what's his name? Was it Sharon Osbourne's dad? Don Arden. Yeah. Don Arden. Yeah. He his was name the sounds one a bit like Don, to have, sounds a bit like Don Hardon to prove how heterosexual yeah, he, he really was. He, he, he was the one who was said to have like dangled people out of windows and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Thought he was a bit of a hard nut, didn't he? Yeah. I'd have kicked the cunt in the bollocks if he'd tried. Of course. Tried and, then, with me. And, and then ran away. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the Delaney move. It's fucking served me well in many an occasion, mate. Get them right in the balls and then do a runner. <laughs> Up yours, cunt. <laughs> With a very wide V sign as you run out yeah, the door. Always. Wide as possible. Um, so, listen, we can't get through this as much as it might be an old chestnut. I can't resist talking about the riddle by Nick Kershaw. Yes. Um, I have Number three. to say, recount the riddle. It's not the first time. It won't be the last, but I'll I'll go for it for you in case you can. See. Are you good at riddles? Would you say you were um, a good riddler, a good riddle solver? I can be. I can be. I mean, you've got to begin. Obviously, riddles. you've got to begin by saying, "Riddle me this," otherwise, yeah, it doesn't riddle count me as a this, Andy. Mm-hmm. Near a tree by a river, yep. there's a hole in the ground right. where an old man of Aaron. That's with mm-hmm. a capital A, so I, I think there's a Scottish island called Aaron yep, that he's referring right. to. Goes around and around, and his mind is a beacon in the veil of the night for a strange kind of fashion. There's a wrong and a right, but he'll never, never fight over you. That's probably the I mean, obviously, it's a much longer riddle than that, but I would say that, for me, is the most famous, iconic part of the Nick Kershaw's yeah, riddle. Yeah. What the fuck is he on about Andy do you think uh, it's absolute bollocks Sam it doesn't mean yeah, anything so basically he thought writing lyrics is a pain in the ass which I imagine it is mm-hmm. I mean some people I'm not the sort of guy who really gets into lyrics on the whole when I yeah. listen to songs I'm not someone who allows the lyrics to touch touch me in, in any particular yeah. way I let them wash over me a lot of the time which is probably disrespectful to the people who write them because some of them might really labour over them and, and they're thinking the lyrics are the most important thing there's a poetry to them mm-hmm. there are certain lyricists who I think are consistently good but on the whole I don't listen but I think a lot of them I remember Noel Gallagher said on many occasions our oh, fucking lyrics they're just stupid it's just about tunes I just write up any old words yeah. to stick in the song and I think Nick Kershaw was like that he was like Noel Gallagher and he thought hang on a minute I've just worked something out He's, he might, I've, I've always been convinced that he thought of this song whilst watching an episode of 321 with Ted Rogers yeah right? it feels like that doesn't it definitely because, yeah. yeah yeah because that was all about these kind of gobbledygook riddles and mm. he thought hang about if I call the song the riddle, mm. then that gives me license to write fucking anything. Anything, yeah. I mean, if, if I claim the whole song is a riddle, then I don't have to think about the words. If he'd said something like, "If anyone solves this riddle, they can win um, an Austin Maxi," then that would have been that would legitimise it, and you would have thought, "Well, there is a solution, A yeah. and B. I could win an Austin Maxi just like they do on three, two, one." But he never did, did yeah. he? He never offered up a prize. So Would have been that, a great that, marketing that, idea, that was, actually. That, that was an alarm bell to me that there wasn't anything mm. going on here. It was just hot air. But I mean, if we if it was lazy. It, if we look at it in terms of three, two, one, near a tree by a river, there's a hole in the ground. Now that suggests yeah. somewhere where things might be dumped, or left, or buried, or hidden. Old Man of Aaron goes around and around. Can, that, can that I just say, me, mate, can you imagine how much that line spoke to me in yeah, 1984 as a, as when a I digger, was nine, in my digging heyday? As a young digger. Near a tree yeah. by a river. I mean, I lived near the River Thames as well. Mm. There's a hole in the ground. I'm thinking, hi, hi. This is I my anthem. Remember. That could be one of my holes that he's singing yeah. about here. Yeah. There, an Old Man of Aaron goes around and around, to me, nah. suggests um, repetition 
a, a drunken uh, so, something something that's been done again and again not necessarily for bad maybe for good his mind is a beacon in the veil of the night now beacon and night and um, darkness and light i'm thinking this could be something that's done uh, either late at night or perhaps early in the morning in the winter when the mornings are dark Okay. And then we've got, for a strange kind of fashion, there's a wrong and a right. Now, um, is there a wrong way or a right way to put your bin out? There is. You can do it on the wrong day. There is nowadays. In those days, it was a bit more randomised. No, if you do it on the wrong day, it's not going to get collected. So if you no. put them all together, you've got that. You've got the early morning darkness... You've got the repetition of bin collection happening day and day, week and week, and you've got the hole in the ground. It's dusty bin. It's dusty bin. You've rejected dusty bin. There Bad luck. Hard lines. You're going home with a fucking bin. And as we all remember as well, you might have thought when you were a kid, as I did for a short while when you are naive, that you actually get a replica a dusty, dusty bin. bin. Do you fuck? But you did not. You got a fucking bin, actual proper bin. You got a little dusty bin to take home, a little ceramic one, I think. Yeah, but you didn't I wanted get... the one that actually moved around yeah. on wheels. Yeah, exactly. Like Dusty your, did. Put your potato peelings in, and it'll just. I fuck look off at Dusty Bin door. now, and I think that's shit, right? But mm. when I was a kid, and Dusty Bin came on the set, right, sort of wheeled on automatically. I remember. I don't know if you remember this. I'm not joking, even when I say this. It's like I remember being overwhelmed with excitement Thrilled. by the presence of yeah. Dusty Bin. Yeah. Like, it was thrilling, right? But, and I know that obviously different things excite you when you're a kid to when you're quite mature and sophisticated like yeah. we are now. But even allowing for that, I mean, I can see most stuff that I loved when I was a kid and still appreciate why I loved it. You know, I mean, God knows you and I live immersed in an almost constant state of, fucking nostalgia for this period but Dusty yeah. Bin is the one thing where I think why on earth like I suppose it's like when you look back on ex-girlfriends and think what the fuck yeah. did I ever see in her right and it's the same with Dusty Bin I look at Dusty Bin I think I wasn't just like oh that's good I'll be like fucking Dusty yeah. Bin it's the Bin okay the cunt now yeah mum look here he is right yeah. he's coming on he's got a fucking clue for Ted yeah and then you'd be gutted when he went off again like oh he's gone Fucking oh, get the cunt back. That's it's why they had him on twice. He's on. Get him on once with a clue and get him on again as a prize reveal. But, um, <laughs> I mean, what, what else Rogers was go, there? Here he is. What else was there to compare? There was Metal Mickey and Dusty Bin and that was it. And we yeah. didn't have any other robots. We didn't have robot wars at that time. Um, well, you had, you had K-9 in Doctor Who. Oh, Hill. yeah, K-9 had come and gone. I liked but... episodes when K-9 was in it. Yeah, that was a few years in... before, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then in Blake 7, there was like, um, they had a sort of a, they had like a a, a box that was like a computerised brain, as Did I they? remember it. Did it move around yeah. on wheels? Don't know. No, maybe no. not. It didn't have the movement factor. I mean, uh, the, the governors were obviously R2-D2 and C3PO. And that's yeah, what but we they were striving American, for. They were they? American. And they, were in, they were in films. Jalapeño. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Jalapeño. Well, I've told you that, um, I've told you before that my, you know, that my, my dad was the road manager for the searchers yes. in the 60s. And that my mum remains friends to this day with Searcher's bassist, Frankie Allen. Yeah? yeah. And that whenever Frankie Allen was coming around, we had to do a big tidy up, which mm-hmm. I resented then and still resent now. Mm-hmm. In Does it still happen? So fuck. Well, yeah, he still comes round. But do, and, you still have to, do you still have to go around and tidy up? Well, no, I'm, I'm not there, but I know that my mum does a special tidy up when Frankie Allen's coming round. How does and Rod feel about this? Rod goes out. Oh, yeah. Rod has to leave the house when Frankie. He doesn't have to, but he chooses, he chooses to because yeah. my mum and him just live over old times. It's probably quite boring for Rod. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, the reason I'm I bring up out. the searches again is uh, <laughs> is that what's his name from the search is coming what, over? Wanky Frankie's coming around again. I'm going out. <laughs> you know what though, right? Rod. Although I take the piss out of him, that there are certain things about him where I think. Rod is a legend, right? So, like, one of his things is is that he's really mysterious, right? Yeah. He just goes, like, so when we're in the park having a picnic, he'll just get up while my mum's rabbiting on. Because my mum rabbits, like, non-stop, but he doesn't right. talk much, right? And he'll just get up and walk out of the park, right? And <laughs> me or my wife will go to my to my mum, Where, where's he going? And she'll go, what? Where's he going? Who? He'll go, Rod. What do you mean, where's he going? We go, he's just got up and walked out of the park. And she just looks and she goes, oh, fuck knows. And I go, well, what do you mean, fuck knows? He could have just gone for it. And she went, I oh, just, it, it, it's no, uh, he'll just do stuff like that. He'll be back, don't worry. He just wanders <laughs> off. And then it, when he comes back, and I said, don't you ask him where he's been? She went, there's no point, he won't tell me, right? <laughs> and uh, apparently what he likes to do, get this, right? This is amazing. I, I would never do this. I mean, I'm not working... Not making out that I've got one a battle axe wife who's strict. I don't, but I just think that he's he go he he goes out out of the blue and his catchphrase that he says to my mum. She said she'll be in the kitchen or she'll be in the living room doing whatever, and she will hear this just popping out. And then before she can even reply, she just hears the door shut. Bang. And then he might be good. And then he'll be got like gone for like a few hours. <laughs> he does it like when and he's it, two inches from the door. Or the door's already yeah. open. And he's out. out. Blue with no announcer. He just goes, just popping out. Bang. Slam. See ya, cunt. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be a bit of rod time. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's like. I mean, he just like, because he doesn't, he's not a talker. 
I'm, yeah. not, I'm not much of a talker myself, but my wife, she's a real talker. They can talk for England. <laughs> she fucking, you can see him, he is worn out by a fucking yeah. relentless whirlwind of chat. Mm-hmm. And he just sometimes just fucks off just for a while. Just to check out for a bit, yeah. That's fine. I reckon he just sits in his Nissan Micra and stares yeah. out. Do you know what I mean? Just stares. Hey, whatever works. Do you know what I mean? Whatever bre- works. Yeah, I mean, you know, the old people in relationships, they're both in their late 70s. They've got. Uh, mm. they just had to learn to live together in however way they can. I sort of, I watch it and I respect it. I mean, I think Glynis Barber and her American husband will be like that at some point if they're not already. And, and find um, a way. I, I just need, I just need Glynis to understand that there are other options. It doesn't have to be like that. She well, could she doesn't have, have to give up on sparkle and magic no, and electricity no, just no. because she's got or, to a certain or, age. Or sexual gratification from a slightly younger man. Um, I'm, I'm just saying that there are other ways. But do you not the, think the, Dempsey... Which one was she, Dempsey or Makepeace? I can't remember. Uh, I think she was Makepeace. Yeah. Are you suggesting that you don't think Dempsey performs oral pleasure on Makepeace anymore because they've just got to the age where I think, ah, it's a load of faff, not worth it. I think he's grown bored of it. I think he feels like he's gone through the motions a bit. I think she knows that he feels that. It's unspoken mm. between them. What I'm going to say is, is that what you think is your final chapter in your story doesn't necessarily have to be the final chapter. There can be an epilogue, Absolutely. is what I'm saying, yeah. if you Absolutely. want it enough. And that's yeah. if you're listening to this, Glynis, um, that, that's that's all I'm saying. Uh, I can be contacted via the podcast. We've got social media. We've got a couple of email addresses at least. There's a third one that no mm. one knows about for for reasons. Um, but there, there's always options in life. Um, I can, I can't necessarily support you in the way that you're used to, but I will provide more emotional nourishment than financial Mate, nourishment. Mate, you're a pod baron. You could get her up there in Sunderland in your rig. She could have her own hammock. Yeah, well... Right. It's like the fourth plinth of Trafalgar Square. There is, there is a fourth hammock to be filled. That's all I'm saying. Dempsey's probably just doing panto once a year, mate. Yeah. Right? And it's got back taxes coming out of his ass. Yeah. You are a man of independent means. I'm, all, right? I'm, I'm on the and up. Be- and Dempsey is on the yeah, slide, and, and your and also your logistical know-how means that I'm I'm guessing that your affairs are fully in order, spotless. Yeah, I'd like to think so. I mean, has she got any kids? Has she got like a surly teenager she'll be bringing along with her? Um, I, I hope not. One no, child. Because my worst fear when I was a um, kid was my mum getting together with mm. someone else who had kids of a similar age and that yeah. thing where like one of my best mates he was in a family that was like the Brady Bunch whereby in fact it was the family that had Sybil the Parrot right the Parrot yeah. family right that lovely family but it was two fam- uh, it was two families had merged and they both had kids of the same age so suddenly you have a new these brother interlopers or in your home yeah. and yeah. you're being encouraged to treat them as if they are your brother or sister, but and they're just some kids who turned up in your house. And that, I think they muddled through quite well and they did end up all loving each other like normal brothers and sisters. Yeah. But I lived in dread of that when I was younger. Yeah, understandable. Um, but 
No. The son Alex was born in 1992, so that would make him 29 now. So I, w- I would imagine he's self-sufficient. He's probably moved out. He unless pro- he probably, I would imagine he listens to this pod if he's probably. about that age. Yeah. Unless Most he's one of these ones who, who, who has, has been pampered all his life and has never bothered to get off his fucking arse and get a job and, <laughs> you know, look after himself. <laughs> In which case, that could be problematic. I'll need to research that a bit more, I think, before I allow Glynis in uh, to my home. But, um, yeah, the offer's there. The offer is there. Well, I think that's nice that you've put that on record. Um, I want to talk about calling the gangs fresh. Okay. She's I don't know really fresh. what I want to say about fresh. it. Yeah, it's just such a great song, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I had a calling the gang poster framed on our wall at home for quite a long time till quite recently but now it's given way to another image but it was uh, for their tour which I think was from 1981 it was called the Funk Emergency Tour oh that's if an excellent Google yeah. image you'll find it and I just thought it was the best we got it we had, yeah. we'd never been to that um We'd never, we'd never been to that. Uh, we, we didn't own the record or have been on that tour. But it's just a great picture of Call and the Gang all running towards the camera and laughing. Yeah. Oh, it was an album as well as a tour. But we had the tour poster, Funk Emergency. It's good, isn't it? It's a good name which, for an album and a tour. Which, which emergency service do you require? Police? Ambulance? Fire Brigade? No. I require funk. There is a just funk emergency. Just putting you through to Call and the Gang. Yeah. <laughs> And exactly. there's plenty of them as well. There's plenty of them, so there'd always be somebody on yeah. hand. They were like the four patrol in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'd work shifts, wouldn't they? So even, even if it was t- up past four in the morning and you had a funk emergency, yeah. you'd get through to one member of Cool and the Gang, wouldn't bring, you? Bring, we do it on shifts. Yeah. So Cool might be having a kit, but there'll always be at least two members of the band awake, ready two to members respond. members of the gang. <laughs> 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 so, uh, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to that? It only got to number 11. It, it climbed one more place Jeez, the week fresh. after this. Um, but there's so many memorable songs in this chart that didn't necessarily get all that high up. Um, Caribbean Queen, No More Love on the Run. Fantastic. Wild Boys, Duran Duran. You would imagine that would have been a number one. Let's hear like its highest position was number two. I was What's getting, going on I, with All we, Join Hands by uh, Slade? Was that uh, a re-release? No, it was a new one. It was a new I think it was an really? attempt, another Christmas number one. I'm just going right. to touch upon, we were talking about lyrics there in Nick Kershaw's lyrics. And Kershaw's lyrics were obviously bollocks. And this was a, a thing that a lot of the 1980s pop stars wrote songs that were meant to sound sort of serious and portentous and didn't actually mean a single thing but they sounded as if they did. And then the, the group yeah. would say something like, yeah, it's actually, it's a song about the impending threat of nuclear war. And then you read yeah, the lyrics yeah. and it had it's, fuck all to do with it. It's sixth form poetry. It's sixth isn't form it? poetry. It's poetry it when you, that you write in the, in the sixth form to try and impress a girl. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's The Wild Boys by Duran Duran. Duran Duran were the kings of this for me, this, this style yeah, of lyrics. Yeah. We've got The Wild Boys Are Calling On Their Way Back From The Fire. Oh, there's been a fire, and they're calling on the. We're on our way back from the fire. Yeah, just pop it in. <laughs> just see how you are, and then it says, "In August, moon surrender to a dust cloud on the rise." Mm-hmm. Now that could be the dust cloud, could be a nuclear mushroom cloud, possibly. That's yeah. what they'd say. I'll put something in about a cloud, 
And then I can always say it's about nuclear war because they always fall for that one. And then it says, wild boys fallen far from glory, reckless and so hungered on the razor's edge. You trail (gasps) on the razor's edge because there's murder by the roadside in a sore, afraid new world. They try to break us. Looks like they'll try again. What does that mean? (laughs) That means fuck all about anything. (laughs) And you've got to take your hat off to them for that. I love it. Scott Walker, who I love the music of Scott Walker, even his mad stuff at the end before he died, when he gave no fucks about melody or anything like that. But Scott Walker said with his lyrics, he always just tried to make the words, the sounds of the words sound good, the syllables and the vowels and everything. Yeah. And they didn't mean anything, but he wanted them to sound musical almost, as if they were an extra instrument. Yeah. And that's kind of what they've done here. They just put some words together. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate um, artistic expression, that. Yeah, I'm yeah, I mean, if they're totally all. bullshitting, which I suspect Kershaw mm-hmm. was, then I'm a bit like weary. But if it's like they're using it to just like, yeah, like a musical instrument almost, yeah, which I think they do. I mean, who um, I remember when I, I've talked before about when I interviewed John Taylor years ago, and I said to him, "What's your favourite Duran um, Duran lyric?" <laughs> yeah, and he said um, he didn't hesitate. He said it's the opening lyric of. Uh, he really, he's like proper transatlantic and super <laughs> yeah. cool all the time. And he was like, it was. he goes, that's easy. The opening line of Hungry Like the Wolf, dark in the city, <laughs> night is a wire, right? <laughs> and I went, yeah, yeah that's great. Poetry, Why? Man. And he went, and he just said, don't know what it means, but it sounds really cool. <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, it fucking does. <laughs> and that sort thinking. of plays into what you just said as well. Yeah. It's just like they were thinking of cool phrases. It also probably reminds me of the first time when he thought, fuck me, we're going to get really rich out of this. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Who wrote? I'm, I'm assuming Nick Rhodes wrote all these lyrics because he I sort of always seemed sure. like the brains I, I behind think, the operation. Yeah, no, I think Le Bon probably wrote the lyrics. I think Le Bon's so, incredibly pretentious. I'm going to have a look. You know Le Bon lives around here as well, right? Does he? he? Lives near me. He, yeah, so like Lineker, he's like one of these guys who I haven't, I've seen, I see Lineker a lot. I haven't seen Le Bon a great deal, mm. but I do see him once in a while. He shows his face at um, uh, Christmas Eve quite a lot at the one of the local pubs. Anyway, um, recently I did a, like a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to do a Q&A because I'm doing a, I'm doing like a talk at, some mm. sort of um, arts thing up in Scotland in the summer. And the, one of the local regional papers up there asked me to do a Q&A. And it was one of those yeah. generic Q&As, like what was the first record you bought? What makes you laugh? Blah, blah, blah. What's the most embarrassing moment? Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, and I found them all fairly easy to answer, right? Uh, but one of the questions was, who would you most like to meet? And mm. I found this quite hard to answer. I didn't... I didn't, I couldn't think, like, because I thought everything, you know, a lot of things just sound so tedious and cliched as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, Barack Obama, do I want to meet Barack Obama? I don't know. Not really sure what I'd <laughs> say, to be honest. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, first, I don't fucking, yeah, all right. I mean, when I mean, you know, You've Paul McCartney. I, yeah, exactly. I don't know. Uh, and, and, you know, I've been privileged to meet a lot of people, like things like football heroes, you know, I've sort of met. Mm. but in the I couldn't think I couldn't think 
And in the end, it was the thing. They were chasing me for the answers. And it was a long Q&A. There was about 20 questions. And this one was bugging me. And in the end, I was like up against it for a deadline. So sort of half in a panic, but I don't regret it. I just wrote, without explanation, Simon Le Bon. <laughs> Fantastic. Because I sort of thought, yeah, I'd love to meet Simon Le Bon. It'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? I, I mean, I, when I you think, think about yeah, it. Yeah, it'll be better than fucking Obama. No offence to Obama. But... No, no offence to Obama, but Le Bon, if you could really meet him, not like, hello, can I have my photo taken with you? Mm. Although, as I said before, I would definitely do that because I, yeah. I love having photos taken with celebrities. Um, but I... No, just like proper, let's have a sit down. I'll have a Heineken Zero. You have whatever you drink, Simon Le Bon. Yeah. Presumably a really fancy cocktail. Presumably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like with loads of like shit in it, like umbrellas and <laughs> yeah, cucumber bits and stuff like that. Just have the usual. <laughs> they know what I'm talking about. Don't I'm worry about it. Stick it on the tab. <laughs> yeah, that'd it's be like good. Got spark- it'd be like sparklers in it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. There Who would you, are, is there anyone you would like to meet? Um, well, anyone at all from anywhere anyone in the world. Anyone to be alive. Glynis Barber, mate. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> that was a silly question I just asked or, you. Or, or Shaka Khan, who's also in this chat, but we'll cover that in the next yeah. episode because we're not done yeah. with this yet. Um, I Feel mm. For You, which is, uh, as I've said in the past, probably the perfect pop single. Yeah, we talked That's about that everything. before about your tweet, we, we, but we, we will go back it. to it because it's one can. of your it's one of the greatest moments in your or anyone's life. So we will it talk is. about that famous tweet. We'll, we'll just end with a, another couple of lines from uh, the Wild Boys by Duran Duran. You've got sirens for a welcome. There's bloodstain for your pain, and your telephone been ringing while you're dancing in the rain. <laughs> Goodbye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.